You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always... Typical Lydia. On today's show, Dead Air Podcast number 32, we are continuing our unsolicited commentary track Halloween specials. This time, or last time, we did the 1978 classic John Carpenter's Halloween. This time, we're doing the classic 1981 Halloween 2. Which is my favorite of the franchise. It really, really is. From what I know about you... Is this your favorite horror movie? This is, and I'm quoted uh, in a couple places in print uh, stating this is my favorite horror so movie. So it's serious. It's in serious. Print. In print. I think I read that article, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. I think I liked your list, and then I criticized everybody else's. Well, that's nice of you. Thank you for being such a <laughs> stand-up dude. You know? Stand-up dude. That's going to be really highly critical of everybody else but me. That's the way it should be. Let me get uh, away with murder. <laughs> I want you to say that at my funeral. Highly critical of everyone else but me. So I thought he was a pretty radical dude. Yeah, I will say that. I will say that. <laughs> when I kill you. Because apparently that's when our podcast will end. Yeah, uh, one of our listeners had wondered if we were ending the show after the Halloween commentary track. And I don't know at any point if that was indicated. I don't think it was. And we actually do talk about what we're going to be doing in the future. So Yeah, I don't know. Oh, well. Maybe he was hoping. He was like, this is the last one, right, guys? Yeah. No more, right? Please. You could take it that way. You know, like, <laughs> hopefully. Is this hopefully the last episode? No. Yeah. May- have you ever considered episode. that maybe this should be your last episode, guys? No. And not only are we going to do more episodes, we're doing one right the fuck now. Yeah. You know who did have a last episode? Episode 100 of Bind Torture Cast. So if you want to listen to the last episode of something, Mm -hmm. go and check that out. Yeah, the Bind Torture Cast people are apparently leaving us. Leaving this world. Leaving this world. They're dying. No, they're not dying. But they are stopping their show, I guess. Is that true? We'll find out. We'll find out. I'm not, like... I'm Listen s- to the show. Listen to the last show. See if it ends on an ambiguous note. Oh, oh shit. Love ambiguous endings. You would like ambiguous endings because the ending of the first Halloween movie, pretty fucking ambiguous. Pretty fucking ambiguous and kind of perfect. And perfect to lead into that exact same very night. I do love that. Um, it's nothing like, you know, a lot of sequels do take place 10 years later, one year later, whatever, 20 mm-hmm. years later. Um, very few do pick up the very night of. Right, because then you're telling your audience, no, you have to have watched the first one. And that can sometimes frighten studios because they're like, oh, well, wait, do we want to tell the audience that they have to have watched if they didn't watch the previous one? We want this to appeal to the largest market possible. Now, nowadays, uh, some of the larger movies that are getting made, the superhero stuff and everything like that, don't really prescribe to that theory any, anymore. But in 1981, for sure. And this movie is absolutely telling you that you probably should have watched the first one, even though they'll help you out with uh, some 
previously on Halloween scenes. Yeah, thank God for Loomis, right? Because he is the master of exposition. Yeah, and the master of, like, yelling at the police. Oh, yeah, Mr. Bossy Pants. <laughs> Part two. So what we're going to do is going to be just like last time. We are going to start the movie. You're not going to hear it because we don't want to get sued. But this time we have captioning and we'll be able to, at least us, will have help with the dialogue if we don't remember all the lines. You probably will. Probably not. My memory doesn't really work like that. Although I will have to say... Of all the things that just escape my memory, like water through a sieve, I do remember things like who acted in this and who's the director and who does the score. You know, that's one thing that would, you know, convince you that this is mm-hmm. one of my favorite horror films. Because I do remember actually shit like that. For most films, I just don't. So lines, not so much. Songs, though. Oh, yeah. And we'll get to it. So anyway, this time, I did, we didn't do it last time, but this time I'm going to count down. Count you down with Casey Kasem. There's a reference. Uh... <laughs> you make fun of my Cliff Clavin reference in the upcoming episode. Which now this makes no sense. Yeah, we're time traveling. <laughs> and I, I'm not even going to touch your Casey Kasem episode or reference. Well, here's our request and dedication. <laughs> So uh, I'll count. I'll count down from four. We'll hit play, and then we'll be off and running. This and count it down at four, three, two, one. Okay. And we're up. The Universal logo is up. Universal never, for all the the crossover stuff that Universal is always talking about, where they want to like kickstart their Universal Monsters universe and put like. Like the Wolfman and Frankenstein and all that shit together. Why don't they just toss in Michael Myers? Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I feel like he'd kick all their asses. Probably, or just stalk. They could just have him in the background. <laughs> like he's looking just in through windows. Slowly coming by. into frame. Yeah. I don't think he drives in this one. No, he doesn't. He, d- he just walks around a lot. Yeah, and I prefer him walking around a lot. Oh, my favorite song in the whole world. How to Feel Illinois is brought to us by Mr. Sandman. Now, this is an interesting musical choice. Now, can you think of other movies that have done this, that have taken a song, an innocuous song, like This is Mr. Sandman, and put it on a horror movie and then cha- that changes the context of the song entirely? Well, not so much with horror, but 2001, <clears throat> A Space Odyssey, when they have Daisy, sung yeah. by the dying, or mm-hmm. like... Running out of batteries, how? Mm-hmm. Um, that was that's probably the creepiest moment in that entire film. Um, for me, I always think about <laughs> the abominable Doctor Fibes. They take uh, somewhere over the rainbow, and that is kind of it, it becomes like this sort of like yearning love song about because about his wife, and also uh, uh, Thirty One's Dracula. They mm-hmm. they do Swan Lake as the opening oh, for that, cool. and uh, and and a modern a modern movie that does that 
is insidious, tiptoe through the tulips. Which everyone finds so creepy. It finds it super creepy, and it's also in the best scene in that movie, in my opinion, is where they finally show the demon in all its glory. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It is. They use uh, King of the Road in Maximum Overdrive to the ice yes. cream truck. And it's so cool, because that ice cream truck is owning the streets of night. You know, it's amazing, actually. Oh, yeah. He's playing King of the Road. I noticed that in the theater <laughs> maker. It's pretty great. Um... Just previously, in, uh, previously on Halloween, on Halloween <laughs> just in case that you weren't sure what had happened, and I suppose this is their attempt to make sure that audiences that didn't have a chance to maybe see the first Halloween movie uh, can at least see what is happening before the movie gets going. Loomis unloading his entire gun on poor Michael. Just killed a couple of teens. Did you really need to do that? Now, do they do any retro continuity here? Like, I, I know this is a different angle than we got to see in the initial one. Um, in the original one, there's a couple of differences. A, this, they stay on Loomis as the body apparently vanishes. They stay on Loomis a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't show... Loomis going down to the lower part of the house doesn't show him coming out of the front of the house. So there, those are the changes for sure. But this is all from the previous movie. And then when he goes to look out the window and notices the body's not there. But now instead of sit, looking out the window, he's in this very like Looney Tunes-esque outline <laughs> of where he landed. Angel. It's well, a grass angel. It's a grass angel. Um, yeah, so this is now all different. I don't know if this was shot and not used. I doubt it. I think this was shot new for the movie, these scenes here. But we're still in, like, pre-credits. The one thing that I'll point out about this movie at this point is, in 1981, the slasher revolution has happened, thanks to the first Halloween in 1978. So by the time you've gotten here you are already dealing with the ante being upped Mm -hmm. by several films. Prom Night, which we've done. The Burning, which we've also done. Terror Train. uh, The Prowler. This came out the first year as uh, as Friday the 13th, 1980. Friday the 13th Part 2 came out the same year as this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, everything has changed. And you'll see the changes that occur with this movie, it's it's just bigger. Not only do they have a bigger budget, two and a half million bucks, yeah, as opposed to three hundred thousand, but everything like the the body counts higher. It's more graphic, but still classy, still classy. And I'd I do say. like like you had mentioned off air when we were discussing this how they've replaced the uh, schoolgirls, which had been by this point done over and over and over again. Now, mm-hmm. um, even a few short years later, with Nurses. Nurses. Now you get now you get pretty nurses. Yeah. All, all at once sexier and creepier. And it makes the movie all at the hospital. Makes the movie seem bigger, but also helps on costs. You have one main location where a lot of things are happening. Yeah, it's vast and claustrophobic <clears throat> at the same time where the other film sort of shared that thing where the whole town is so close-knit, mm-hmm. but it is taking place in this really small area. Now the area gets even smaller Although the world has expanded. Mm-hmm. Now, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill came back to pen this, but they did not direct it. Uh, uh, 
John Carpenter apparently had no interest in directing the sequel because it's kind of been there, done that mentality. And more of the music power handed over to Alan Horath, which mm-hmm. still, I say, made the best Festival of Fear music guest at the Shocktail Party, the Rumor Shocktail Party. Mm-hmm. It was so amazing to see him do this score. I love that what you can do now is when you, the, the first movie intros and they have that pumpkin now the pumpkin looking infinitely creepier as it kind of fades to black because before in the first movie it was literally just like a jack-o'-lantern just sort of sitting there and as we get closer to the pumpkin well you'll see like one of my favorite things ever and and i had forgotten just splits the fuck open and how fucking cool and just a, just slowly opens up to a creepy fucking skull inside and holy shit that tells you right there that a we got more money (laughs) (laughs) b we're looking to scare you even worse yeah and fuck man what a great mood setter this combined with the music is just absolutely incredible and what do you think is under that mask death death (laughs) is under that mask oh if you listen to donald pleasance you don't know the meaning of the word like, like it's the neighbor. <laughs> yeah. The neighbor that finally came out to see what the fuck is wrong. I, I always got the impression that that was not um, the same. Did you think it was the same neighbor? I think it's the exact same neighbor. Really? I swear. It What's going on neighbor. out there? I heard yeah. gunshots. <laughs> that That's what got you off your ass? Not your screaming, crying community girl banging on the door pleading for you to let her in? No. Gunshots. Uh, and the directing got handed over to Rick Rosenthal. And we're back heavy, heavy breathing through the mask, but uh, we're back into the POV shot. So again, even though we've taken some time off from this movie, three years is a long way to wait for a sequel nowadays. That's like almost unheard of. Um, but a lot of things to tying you back to the original already, starting off with the pumpkin and the first real shot after the credits, back to the POV. Yeah, which is a good tie-in of course and it's just about the carpenter directorial sort of feeling you know they want to have the exact same sort of feeling because it did so well so goddamn well mm-hmm. why mess with that right and it is picking up moments later so why not start it out a lot like the first film <clears throat> started out especially when they're going to take us somewhere totally different absolutely loom is here freaking the fuck out because he like unloaded his gun six times into a dude that did not die. I think there's two amazing things about that. One, you could shoot somebody six times and have them not die. <laughs> Second, nobody see, nobody on the police force seems to acknowledge the fact that Loomis is not really supposed to be having a gun shooting people. <laughs> I never really thought of that. Like, I really honestly never He's not of that. a police officer, he's not a detective, he's not a soldier, he does not have a license to kill. He's a psychiatrist. You're right. I never ever thought of that. I guess maybe so used to gun culture and film that it didn't even cross my mind. And he's watching uh I like that this old guy is just sitting here watching Night of the Living Dead. It's kinda cool right now. There is um special bulletins on the radio about the murders that have taken place thanks to Michael Myers Mm -hmm. while her husband is watching the news broadcasts in Night of the Living Dead happening Mm -hmm. on the television. So it's really 
uh, derivative of Night of the Living Dead in that way, but so meta to have it going on in the background while they're doing that exact same technique. Mm-hmm. This is a good exposition scene, like with the with the news broadcast. It's really cool, and then you see like Michael Myers in the background, and you're like, oh man, these guys are toast. Nah. I don't understand. Like he seemed like Michael Myers is just like I'm not going to kill them. They're not young and nubile enough. <laughs> I just kind of assumed that's what it was. This always kind of grosses me out at first. You would think it's ketchup, <laughs> and oh. that grosses me out. And then I'm like, oh, thank God it's blood. She didn't get gross ketchup on her. I would scream like that getting ketchup on me. You're not a, you're not a, you're not a ketchup fan. No, gross. I oh I hate it so much. Someone smashed some ketchup like six blocks away and I could smell it for two days. It was gross. <laughs> Blood, not so gross. Not so gross. Now, Michael Myers just sort of cruising around the neighborhood and this lady coming out of her house, young girl, like, I don't feel like he's far enough away that he would not, that she would not see him. No, people in this town are awfully unobservant. Like, really. You know, they get A for stupidity, in a way, because they're just not very observant. And he's been able to float around the whole town on the daylight all day, so what makes you think he can't float around all night and not be noticed? Especially now. Although, did it ever occur to you? I was trying to get the timeline in my head. This is occurring on the same night. Yes. Now, by the time Laurie Strode is running away and fighting back from Michael Myers, I already get the indication that it is fairly late on Halloween. Like, people have gone to bed, the the streets are kind of deserted. I don't think so. I think it's about 9 o'clock. Really? Yeah. Because Because when you're here, not only, there's still people trick-or-treating, and there's still, uh, like, activity. People are up, they're, uh, you know, they're still hanging out and doing shit, so... I always, I don't know, to me, in the first movie, it always seemed much later than it actually was. And then here, obviously, you don't have, like, like obviously, things are, like, it's not taking place as late at night. Or maybe everyone's just staying up really late, I don't know. I don't know, I used to stay up till at least midnight on every Halloween that I can remember. Um, but the streets did get awfully quiet about an hour after sundown. This is where, um... Alice here is going to meet her unfortunate and and uh, it's like it's like you know Michael Myers is really like a fucking tornado it's just like completely arbitrary this one gets hit this one doesn't real force of nature although I do find it interesting that she had no like she really had no idea anything had gone on and the second she learns about it boom she's done now that kill with that blood spray yeah more blood than <laughs> the entirety of the previous film the previous film i don't really know if there's much of any blood dripping down what's his face's feet i think maybe in i don't even think there's blood on his feet i really don't yeah i think you're right now but like now 1981 yeah lots of other slashes have happened we're upping the ante still not gra- gratuitous it's not disgusting it's not like, bleh, like oh we get a little disgusting later on but yeah we to do start with, we do but not to start like but said, I'm just more blood more blood than the entire first movie the very first kill and a lot more of a shock too it is oh a shocking absolutely because there's really no reason now i guess getting shot makes you pissed off Right, but he did enter that woman's home for no reason. I mean, mm-hmm. but the, like in the previous movie, Michael Myers 
I wouldn't say he's arbitrarily killing people. He's killing people close to Lori specifically. Why he kills them first and doesn't just beeline it to her is, I mean, I don't really understand. But especially when you reveal his motivations in this movie. Because one of the things that I had forgotten was you don't really get a clear connection between Michael Myers and Laurie Strode until this movie. Like it's not Yeah. And and so and and so I'm always watching the first one with the previous knowledge and so I'm like, "Well, this is why he's attacking her." But when you're watching the original one, it really is it seems random almost. It's true. Except for this two with the exception of the tombstone uh scene which is like, "Why would he put that there for her to look at?" But she has no idea who that person is. No, it's not until this moment we get any sort of backstory, and neither does she, really. Like, it's not explained at all. It would have been helpful in the first one, but that's why the first and second make such good counterparts. Exactly. They all, they seem like one movie. I think this is kind of hilarious, Razor Blade. Oh, yeah, the little trick-or-treater. <laughs> I'm sorry, I think it's hilarious, but we've talked before about the, the myth versus the reality Mm-hmm. of razor blades and such and candy mm-hmm. but he's got it in there really good and like you said more blood and even now it's twice as much blood oh yeah if for not sure. four times as much blood coming out of a kid's one. mouth yeah they're not fucking around no they're not fucking around they didn't need to kill a dog right off they just stick a razor blade in a little kid's mouth mm-hmm. kind of awesome i do like jimmy in this film a lot um bud not so much Ugh. you may recognize Ugh. bud from my nightmare and you may also recognize Bud as the main antagonist in The Accused with Jodie Foster, mm-hmm. where he plays the greasiest, creepiest fucking rapist dude I've ever seen on film. Look, I'm sure the actor himself is a nice guy and oh, he's yeah. acting. Totally. But between this and that, little typecast, I think. Little typecast. And unfortunately, because he's a great actor, he's actually like a really good actor. Um, I don't think he's even a shade of this fucking creepy in, in real life. Uh, and this isn't even a good example of him being a fucking creep. Uh, the accused, though? Mm-hmm. Nightmare feel. It's, he is scary, creepy, horrible human being in that. Mm-hmm. And he does it very, very well. Obviously very, very well. But I can't unsee it. Watching this, mm-hmm. maybe that's kind of helpful, too, because I'd seen the accused first. Or not first, but the accused is what stuck in my mind so much. Mm-hmm. This is a the, a nice little touch about the idea that Haddonsfield is such a small, close knit community. The ambulance driver knows Lori. the The nurse, the night nurse, knows Lori. The doctor seems familiar with her. This is a small community, and they're like, "Oh my god!" Like it's Lori. Like they they react a little. Like I'm not going to say unprofessionally because immediately they're going to work. But there is that very brief moment when they first see her where they're like. Oh, it's Lori. It's Lori. Like, what yeah. happened? And and of course they they understand. Then if they don't know her, they know her parents of of Strode Realty, right? Yeah. And the doctor actually ends up going to the party where her aunt and uncle are, mm-hmm. and where everyone else is that she's babysitting for, right? Hmm. Now we now we cross over with Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. She doesn't want to go to sleep. <laughs> she's gonna pull. She's gonna pull Michael Myers' hat out of the dream world. But um, this is an interesting idea because she's very adamant that she does not want to go to sleep in the in the ambulance ride. 
to the hospital, she's telling them not to uh, Jimmy not to let anyone put her to sleep, and then again with the doctor, do not put me to sleep. Is there like any indication about like is she just that, that freaked out that she just doesn't want to be put to bed or? Or well, I think feel he's, he's already shown that he likes to play dead, pop up, and go after her again. And yeah. now he had played dead for four seconds, disappeared. So I guess she's become trained now to the fact that he's going to come after her relentlessly, right? I like in part six where she's actually secreting away her sleeping pills forever, which is kind of hilarious. All but, of her medication, actually. So it's just she, she doesn't change. In over 20 years. <laughs> Loomis and the, the sheriff here are having some pretty great back and forth. While, I will point out again, Loomis is loading his gun. <laughs> like, like the, the cop does not seem... Like, would you put that thing away? Like, I understand that the, the sheriff probably realizes this is a dangerous person. But, like, to a dude who's a civilian, constantly loading his gun. The fact that he just said, I just shot a guy six times. Um... Okay. I don't know, maybe he was a deputy somewhere. I have no idea. Maybe he has some reason. Maybe there's some like little tiny offhand mention for reason why the cops aren't arresting him mm. for killing people. The, the sheriff's still like not entirely on Loomis's side because of the fact that like he's like, you, you missed, a person cannot survive. Again, questioning what Michael Myers is exactly is. Now, Loomis here, always the level-headed, fucking going after some random trick-or-treater that could be... And he's just like... Instantly, like, I'm going to fucking shoot him. I'm going to fucking shoot him. That guy's like, what's going on? And then gets smucked. Boom. Like, fucking unbelievable. 99 Un- Ben Tramer. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. At this point, if Loomis were a female character, and I did this in the last episode where we talked about if Loomis were a female, he would be called a psychotic and not listened to and ignored and probably tied up and locked away. Right here, this would be the end of Loomis. He made a mistake. He fucked up. He's crazy. He's obsessed. He's wrong. He he literally cost the life of an innocent. Now, they're not entirely certain at this point, but we as the audience yeah. know that's not Michael Myers. He doesn't... He, he, he was... Okay, he was wearing a mask, Meyer-esque. Yeah, but for it, what re- What was he dressed as? Good question. What is he dressed as? Because the Meyer mask, as we talked about and with common knowledge, is the William Shatner mask, the white William yeah. Shatner mask. So... What was he dressed as? I, I like for now he's fucking dressed as a human torch, but like, <laughs> fucking, but like that's crazy to me. Uh, Loomis even doubts it too. Oh yeah, he he doubts it. But the idea that yes, a random kid trick or treater just got uh, pinned between a truck and a cop car. It blew the fuck up, and now he's just burning a lot. Uh, like oh he's dead, but like he's burning, like nobody yeah like Loomis is just like rubs his hand in his face and he's like oh man off we go yeah yeah oh Jimmy is sneaky bastard Jimmy seems like very interested in Lori immediately even though he well, we had a class with her or something right it was a, no it was a little brother went to school with her oh okay so he has a, a tangential connection to her yeah. But not, it's not like someone that he really knows, although... He's probably seen her around had his eye on her. For oh, for sure. I he's mean, acting like it. Oh, for sure. He's, obviously, it's... Jamie Lee Curtis is absolutely beautiful. And, you know, super vulnerable. Now, he's like, oh, you just got stabbed. And she's all doped up. Yeah. <laughs> this nurse telling her to get the fuck out. Yeah, they tell him a couple times. But, hey, what do you do? You know, Halloween night, 
working the night shift. Yep. Cute girl. Oh. Damsel in distress. Like oh my goodness. Jimmy's surrounded by like lots of uh, uh, pretty ladies. Well, it's a, a terrible life of a paramedic, I'm sure. <laughs> Out of all the Haddonfield clothing, I don't like their high school jackets so much. Like their Letterman jackets or whatever you call them. But I do like the paramedic driver's outfits. If they were just jackets, I would so wear one. It's funny that you say that because I was thinking while I was uh, watching this yesterday to prepare a little bit. I was like, what? I, I never see anybody cosplaying as those guys. <laughs> that would be cool. Right? Like you just you get to wear like your jumpsuit and you're like your Haddonsfield. I'm, I'm the paramedic from Halloween 2. That's a deep cut. I go as a Haddonfield high school cheerleader a mm-hmm. couple years in a row. Yeah. Yeah, which doesn't it, it does exist. There are cheerleaders and they are, they have cheers. Do they really? Yeah, they definitely do. Would you perhaps know any of these cheers? Uh, the, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but yeah, you have put me on the spot. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's the we're from Haddonfield. Couldn't be prouder. If you can't hear us, shout a little louder. Oh shit! One. They do that one in the first one, the beginning. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. This is um, the big heavy reveal. The sheriff finds out that it is indeed his daughter that died. Pretty good reaction. Pretty believable. Like shocked. And everyone around him, obviously, pretty sympathetic. Although I feel like maybe Loomis is not as, like, sad as he ought to be. Sympathetic, I suppose. Empathic. Maybe he's uh, somewhat sociopathic himself. You know, and that's why he relates to Michael so much. Because he wasn't looking at the dead girl at all. He's mm-hmm. been watching the father's face all this time. Mm-hmm. Learning how humans behave or something. I don't know. Now, this is the last time we'll see the sheriff's character in the movie, I think. Uh, because obviously he's got to go home and deal with his family. Well, then who's Loomis going to yell at? Well, he's going to yell at fucking pretty boy here. <laughs> Good thing he passed him off. <laughs> <laughs> passed him off. Again, I, I suppose like uh, like Loomis could be thought of as so obsessed that he's unfeeling, but Loomis does make a really good point here that if you if they haven't stopped Michael Myers, if the trick-or-treater that they think was him that just got smucked by the car is not indeed the killer then a lot more people are going to die unless they stop them so yes it's tragic that this one or this group of of teenagers has died but we cannot lose focus of the fact that he's still out there and we have to do something the one thing that is missing from Loomis's character is a really heavy duty speech he goes on a little bit here and there in this movie but it's nothing like the blackest eyes devil's eyes like in the car was that the, the, in the car the, yeah yeah uh, he has nothing quite as important to say in this one. It's like they try, too. They're sort of reaching a couple times. Well, I, this is also a little different because he's being very reactionary. Because it's almost as though it's continuing the last couple of acts that Loomis had where he was searching the neighborhoods sort of willy-nilly for the killer. This is basically his job throughout the this entire movie. So he doesn't get any respites where he's allowed to uh, pontificate on Mm. the evil of Michael Myers because he's not slowing down for a minute he's constantly trying to we're going here check it again like what's going on in this house we're like he's he's much more frantic turn the car around (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, you're right. He definitely is on a more reactionary tip. Instead of trying to explain to everybody how evil he is. I guess I have proof now because the body count's uh, pretty high. Yeah, absolutely. But also, he's dealing with the fact that, like, now Loomis... It's, it's Originally, Loomis was talking about, this is an escaped mental patient. He's incredibly dangerous. These are the things that he's probably going to do. He's going to kill. He's killed before. He will kill again. And everyone was like... I think you're all right. We'll look, but I think you're kind of overreacting. Now, um, you you have him. Everyone believes him because it's self-evident because it actually happened. There are people that have died thanks to Michael Myers, but now Loomis's point is he's so evil he's beyond human. So. Since he's convinced everyone that this is a dangerous killer, now he's trying to convince everyone that I shot him six times and he's not dying, so he's superhuman. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's the sticking point that I think a lot of the police officers are having a hard time with. Yeah, now, now not only is he an unstoppable killer, now I've stopped him once and he is actually unstoppable, so yeah. I like a couple of seconds ago we were watching a dude carrying a boombox on the street listening to the news. Because <laughs> that's what people boomboxes do, all the cool kids, right? Just strutting around on the street listening to the news. Yeah, but there's a lot of people out here. And... That's why I'm thinking it's got to only be around 9 or 10 o'clock. And I've never looked for like any sort of time indication. It's hard to say October, this. like, because um, this isn't, what is it, Illinois or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah, I could believe that it would get dark pretty quick and you'd have a lot of nighttime in October 31st. But it is a nice uh, trick to see that, like, Myers, they're heading down to Haddonsfield Memorial Hospital, which, of course, we are brought to our new collection of characters. But he's already there. Like, like wherever you want to be, Michael Myers is fucking there. So did he drive there or did he just walk there? He just walked there. Well, the last scene that we saw him, he was walking. And he was just reflected in her rearview mirror. So, yeah, I mean, there so is he no... He just walk. He hasn't driven at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know why I'm paying so much attention to whether he's driving, but whatever. Well, what happened? He had the station wagon. What happened to that? Yeah, I know, right? I guess he ditched that when he had to run away. Maybe that's how he got away from the house so fast and then he ditched it later. I don't know. But I do love, same as the first one, so much Halloween. I don't know what those pineapples are doing there, but so much <laughs> Halloween things around. Every corner, almost every shot has a pumpkin in it or something to do with Halloween. Yeah. These are really great shots. I mean, again, well, he's, you know, he's watching uh, Night of the Living Dead, too. Yeah, well, it's still, it's on that same broadcast hosted by this one, like, horror host. And they're doing, like, a movie marathon. The titles of which still dementia. Yeah, I want to uh, find out what movies that they all watched on the two nights that Halloween takes place on, or the one the night. Oh my god, the one night that the two Halloweens take place on. Mm -hmm. Well, in the first movie, they're watching a thing from another world, and then Forbidden Planet is what the the second movie the kids are watching. And now Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living and Dead. I believe there's another film mentioned, and I think they do say the titles of what they're going to be watching that night. I'm still looking for clocks in the background. I'm sure the nurse would have said something about what time she was supposed to start, right? So it'd yeah. have some sort of indication. But I can't see it being like it's beyond the, nine or ten o'clock. It's the start of the night shift, so I would I would say like maybe they were trying to get there by ten o'clock or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's something indicated by that. This this fucking guy. Bud? Yeah, like 
just swearing and then but th- there's two things I'm like he swears fairly casually I I'm the same type of guy I say fuck like a comma sometimes and but she gets like super offended by that and then I'm just like you don't have to swear all the time guy you also don't have to get offended by the swearing lady that's true I swear all the fucking time I'm trying to say fucking square dance instead of clusterfuck at work because <laughs> no one wants a square dance <laughs> Well, wait, they want a clusterfuck? Uh, clusterfuck can sound sexy. It can under, be. Under certain situations. And there's some people that just think that's hot. Or to hear a girl say clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this guy's going to start singing this fucking disgusting song. Like, it's like Amazing Grace, come sit on my face. What the fuck? It's like one of those dudes that says this type of bullshit and then gets really incredulous that other people get offended by it because he's he's got no filter man i mean i don't have a filter but i don't like ride on other people for you know not liking the fucking crap that dribbles out of my mouth yeah he's giving him some life advice here don't get involved with patients get involved with nurses (laughs) (laughs) which is sort of important isn't that like a professional credo of theirs to not like get involved with patients is there like are are paramedics allowed to date slash fuck their patients i don't Uh, know i don't know i've seen a couple of uh educational videos on certain websites that indicate that doctors and nurses have sex with their patients all the time educational videos it's pornography okay that's what i figured (laughs) so paramedics must get on with people in the back of the ambulance like on the reg so, okay, that makes sense. I like that this nurse isn't a bimbo. The, like, Bud's girlfriend nurse. Yeah. She's not the one instigating all of this. And she's not, you know, that typical film, horror film, hot nurse. Yeah. Right? She is swatting him away. Which is a little more typical of horror movies in the five years preceding this. No, yeah, Absolutely not super psycho sluts like we're used to now Mm -hmm. yeah she um she definitely does do a fairly good job of swatting him away and is fairly focused on her job and even the idea of her being late she really didn't want to be late she did it as a favor for a friend yeah and she even does insist on making her rounds and then later wanting to check on the kids instead of just goof around right Mm -hmm. again another little cameo cameo another shot of michael (laughs) myers yeah um, blinking you'll miss it he is a lot more present in this film than he is in the first one and he's in quite a few shots in the first one but already like we see a lot of him here and the stalking of laurie strode would have began by this point in the film for the first one too so we would have started to see some of those glimpses of him Mm -hmm. so it's really good like another tie-in beat for beat as far as the way that the film opens of killer point of view and now the whole seeing him in the background and glimpsing him here and there i like that it's so brightly lit now though he's walking across the hall in in a very brightly lit medical facility as opposed to you know looming behind some hedges or like across the road behind a car or looking through the back window in the darkness and stuff like that This scene with Jimmy and Laurie is pretty good. It shows 
Laurie is still like not entirely sure what's happening and certainly has no idea why she has been singled out by Myers. Did she indicate a little bit that she feels that he's in the hospital? That 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 she that she can sense him just there? I don't know. I don't remember. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> it's all good. I was thinking about the upcoming hot tub scene. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> We're still a little bit from that. I know. But in my mind, as soon as the movie starts, it's an upcoming hot tub scene. <laughs> that scene just sticks with me. Again, like going back to what you were saying about the previous movie, he's got a... At the very start of the movie, he we in this movie, we got a kill with a, with a, knife. a, a kitchen knife. Yeah. But do we get any more kitchen knife kills? Because he's got like... A bunch of different shit that he does in this movie. Well, it's not told later that he has knives again. Uh, okay. um, but, yeah. No, he is... He has a scalpel now. He has a scalpel, yeah. Yeah. It's not really a knife. But, again, he is that... When you picture Michael Myers, you picture him holding a giant kitchen knife. Yeah. But it's not his weapon of choice. He doesn't have a weapon of choice, necessarily. Yeah. But he's not as, as, as lauded for it. I was like a Jason Voorhees who was just like, oh man, that guy uses all kinds of crazy stuff. It's wacky. But I, but I was like, this guy uses like a lot of weird shit in this movie by itself. When I think about it, most Jason Voorhees cosplayer or characters or Halloween costumes or whatever is a machete. Yeah. How often does he use a machete? Um, he uses a machete like not irregularly, but not for the entire movie either. I mean, like he definitely uses a machete after three it, by three he uses the machete a couple of times because the first one obviously spoilers Mrs. Voorhees the second one I don't really think that like, um, he might use this uh, machete in the second one I'm not exactly sure I don't know but like not all that frequently yeah about as frequently as Michael uses a kitchen knife I I'd say that's fair yeah. that's probably a fair assessment but no yeah it's it's true it is the it, it is definitely the machete and the kitchen knife, like Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees. And stuff. Freddy Krueger is like really the only one that's just like, nah, it's the hand knives, and that is pretty much like. And it's not even how he kills everybody, though. He kills no, it's true. With their own devices, right? Yeah, it's true. So, I, I'm sure, like a lot more kills with the finger knives, and a lot more injury sustained. Oh hell yeah! But you can't really have like a dude cosplaying as Freddy Krueger, like dragging around a big bed with a hole in it. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> you know Although that is a fascinating costume idea. <laughs> you go as Freddy, I will go as a giant mattress with a hole in it and blood everywhere. This is our second cat attack in just as many movies. <laughs> it wasn't as good, though. I like this one better because it's really like the cat is just like, or jumps right on him and he gets thrown backwards by this dumpster cat. This poor fella is not cut out for this job. He's like, I thought being a night security guard at a hospital would be a lot of sitting and snacking and watching Night of the Living Dead. Not going over to dumpsters and looking at cats. <laughs> you know, if he would have left well enough alone and turned around, he'd be fine. But no, he has to go and do his job. Poor fella. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Myers had keys to the place. You didn't know that. A lot of the tension building 
stuff in this scene comes from people who seem like super duper confused because a hospital seems like such a safe place. You know what I mean? Like, 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 obviously not like it's a place where people go to die, but I mean like. A lot of people get really, really uncomfortable in hospitals. Really? Oh, they, 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 I don't know why I'm surprised by that. I guess, like, like, hospitals never weirded me out. No, they don't weird me out either. But I've been with people, or I've had people ask me to accompany them to visit other people in the hospital because they don't like hospitals. And they need someone to go with them, which I think is just weird because I'm very, very comfortable in hospitals. This guy plays confused so fucking well. Like, like he hears, like, a little noise. He's like, huh? What's that over there? What's going on? He's seen practicing in front of his mirror at home. I'm a security guard. <laughs> looks suspicious and confused. This nurse using a radio the size of a small car. That was the smallest radio they had. <laughs> I like the the juxtaposition between this and Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Um, the hospital is so much more creepy. You want to talk about creepy hospitals? The beginning of Halloween 2, the remake, is 10 times more creepy and scary. And it's raining, which is a little more Jason Voorhees thing to do. But I, I remember, um, geez, it's been so long since I've seen the Halloween 2 Rob Zombie remake. The only thing that really sticks out in my mind is Laurie... God, she hallucinates that someone gets killed and then they actually do or something like that. Way creepier. Way creepier. Same setting. Same sort of, like, edginess. But the whole movie doesn't take place at the hospital in, in the remake, right? It's no. just It's just the first... Yeah, it's just the beginning. <laughs> Why anyone would load up a closet like that? I'm surprised they didn't put a cat in there, too. <laughs> that would be amazing. But he definitely, like, like has, like, a cartoon character reaction to, like, boxes falling on him. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> it is very well-timed kills in this compared. Like, the first one is relatively bloodless. And the kills are spaced out, right? Mm-hmm. And... I guess the body discovery is very different than this one because we have some differently timed body discoveries in this but um it is almost like kill very regularly timed kills in this one Mm -hmm. well not only that but the body discovery goodbye hammer time um doesn't jason Voorhees kill someone with a hammer in part two of uh uh yeah, uh, the, a cop gets killed in the in the shanty, the little shanty hut thing yeah. by a hammer. Really similar. Yeah, he uses the that mean side of the hammer too, the scary side, because you always have like the blunt side of the hammer that actually hammers the nails, and you have like the spooky. I love like this. I was like, this is gonna sound so creepy to say. I love this burnt corpse. <laughs> but, like, I love this burnt corpse too. Yeah, it's got great teeth. He does have great teeth, and I guess that's the only way like that they can do this right with the dentist it's one of Loomis's first requests earlier was to get a dentist oh they were indicated that the body is probably someone of 17 or 18 years old and then he and then Loomis is like Michael Myers is 21 so we have a definite age but wasn't he supposed to be 23 that's what I never got he was supposed to be 23 in the last one but whatever okay sure he's 21 I'll take your word for it <laughs> you are in the sexy burnt corpse yeah 
pretty barbecue saucy looking. But again, the, I don't feel like they are upset enough that their negligence caused the death. They killed this person. Oh, totally. They, like, I, like I find it fucking crazy. And it's not. It's, it's a wonder that Loomis didn't fucking shoot him. Really. Fuck. But yeah. yeah, that was the thing. It was like the sheriff was trying to stop Loomis from lighting that kid up with more bu- bullets. Who did nothing? Here we have like um, Springfield. This is very Simpsons. <laughs> angry mob. My angry mob. Let's take it out on the house. What the fuck? I mean, I understand like mob mentality. Like, what can you possibly say about it? But like, what do they possibly hope to achieve by throwing rocks at an abandoned house? Like, like I understand they're upset that children have been killed, but well, this is awake. And again, look, just like. Heightens my sense of security. Like Loomis again, just low. Not authorized to kill. Not authorized to kill. He is a doctor. I've never really thought about it. Of the mind. Yeah. Like doctor of the. He's a doctor of the mind. He is not a fucking authorized killer. (laughs) But like, whoops! Nobody seems to like care at all. Well, the cops don't care. The people that should care the most that he has a loaded gun and he's willing to shoot at anybody. Check it again. Ordering everyone around. I'd like to know where the script for the new Halloween film is going because it should be that every Halloween Haddonfield is on high, high alert. They're not going to make jokes about it anymore. That they basically lock it down like it's the purge happening in Haddonfield every Halloween. In this scene, the police officer, of course, lamenting the fact that like Haddonfield was such a quiet neighborhood. Loomis correcting him and saying, well... 15 years, yeah. ago, 15 years ago, there was a grisly murder at this very house. And then the police is like, yeah, uh, yeah, I knew that. I was 16 years old. I was like, well, I suppose in his adult life, it's a quiet place. Since he's become a police officer, it's been a quiet place. There hasn't been mobs outside of a house throwing rocks. No, which probably doesn't happen very often. And how many yeah. people died then? One. One, one how person. How many people died this night? What, like six so far? Yeah, but th- three that they know of. And I don't yeah. know if they've really, if they've discovered maybe the other Alice, the the, the young girl that died at the very start of this movie. So they there we go. It's a little after eleven. We have a fucking time. Oh, finally, thank time you, stamp. sir. Yeah, these two kids. Um, ben Tramer's friends. Ben, they know these two men. Loomis knows that he killed those teenage boys' friend. Yeah. Maybe indirectly, but he fucking did it. And, and they just sort of give a sigh, but they're not, yeah, you're not, yeah. they're not upset. They just kind of look at each other and say, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's fine. Professional distance. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be. Like, I, I, I'm just going to play devil's advocate. I just think it's crazy to me. I know, like, I don't mean for that to be, like, a sticking point. Like, I don't mean to keep bringing it up, but it's just really funny to me. Scared by the bell. This is like introing to your favorite scene. I know, right? This is like the warm up. Uh, it's getting all sexy in here. But she doesn't know that though. She's no, here. she's ex- expecting Bud to be his own sexy self, his own Ugh. greasy, gross, sexy, not a fucking attractive at all self. This is the worst aspect 
of a character like this existing in a movie. What, like it, Bud? Yes. The worst aspect is that she is kind of rewarding this behavior. I mean, look, she's not, like, totally into it. And, no, to a certain extent, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the fact that they end up where they end up later together... I, it, like, Bud is just sitting there going, like, look at his face. Look at that face. Yeah. That arrogant, like, Nyeh. You like it. You know you, you like you it. You like it. Disgusting. And then you think, like, you're the biggest jerk I ever met. She's out of here. And, oh, uh, no, she's not going anywhere. And then he's just like, see? This is what women want. Women want me to act this way. Oh, my God. Yeah, fueling the future next, like, 10, 20 years of rampant misogyny we'll have to deal with in horror film. <laughs> he is the only really misogynistic point in this film and he gets what's coming to him very shortly yeah. but you know that's the only time really yeah. that there's a, a real piggish bit in this film and I think that we're meant to understand that he's a fucking pig oh, other characters sure. other characters call him on his bullshit like Jimmy calls him on his bullshit oh over yeah and, and would never ever emulate somebody like this mm-hmm. and even his own girlfriend like you're the biggest pig I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, and she means, and she doesn't fall for him all the time. And by the end, she's like, you know what? I have my rounds to do. Yeah, so you're, turns down sex. Yeah, which is another, you know, full agency. Yeah, she she does have complete agency of what is going to happen. Although this guy, I love that um, Bud kind of gets a little tender here in this scene. Cause he's like he, cause he, but it's really just like I really want to get laid. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you mean blue balls by tender? Yeah, you mean blue he, balls? He try, he's he's just like he's like, well, I just you know, uh, it's like I, he's like seconds away from being like, oh come on, baby, you know I love you, like that type of bullshit where he's just like, my dick is so hard right now. That's exactly what's going on there. It's not tenderness at all. I'm retreated to a little flashback. Yeah, this would have made a lot of sense two hours earlier. You know what I mean? <laughs> this would have been helpful, Lori, if you'd have remembered that you were adopted. Yeah, it's true. Although, this is strange because, like, again, is this the psychic connection that you're talking about? Or yeah. Did, or is that an actual memory? Because when would she have ever visited him in the hospital? I don't know. I don't know, because I'm not Lori, and... I haven't talked to John Carpenter lately, so I don't know. But I'll have to ask him, you know. I'll call him up on the phone. But uh, I I know that's not one of those things necessarily. I do believe that that was a repressed memory. Because it was from her point of view, not his. Mm -hmm. If it was from his point of view, I would have been like, yes, definitely. This ties into the whole psychic link. It's mostly that she knows that she's being followed and seems to be in to eerily in tune with him like a brother and sister connection right more like a twins connection even though there's two years between them but yeah thanks for the late repressed memories there Lori. <laughs> now we start with the the famous hot tub scene what is this hot tub in the bottom of a fucking hospital it's where they boil the lobster for the uh staff parties that they have with dr mixter <laughs> gets a little bit out of hand and he cranks up the sauna that goes or the hot tub that goes to 130 degrees to make lobster what it would actually be is the therapy room oh yeah so it's like sport injuries and stuff like that or just trauma or 
you know, whatever. Maybe they have it. Uh, there's a cold setting on it. And they could fill it with ice for a burn patient. But yeah, mostly it's a therapy room and for geriatrics as well. Okay. Well, they're using it for sexy times. It has alternative uses. Freaking right. It is the most uh, industrial looking fucking hot tub ever. And I think it's kind of sexy. I think it's super sexy. Are you kidding me? Unlike Bud. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Because she's like, oh, it's hot in here. And he's like, it's just me. I'm like, no, it's not Bud. Yeah, no. It is not. She's way hotter than you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's way out of your league usually, but I guess it's just because you work together and she's bored at night. Yeah. And you have access to a hot tub. Yeah. I like that this hot tub goes to 130 degrees. I remember being younger and watching this for the first time. I was probably about, I have no idea, probably 12 or something like that, 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Me and my friend Terry watching this. And we were flabbergasted by this scene. Not We were probably titillated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the titties. But, mm-hmm. and not so much by Bud because he's just gross. So I just don't want to look at him. Mm-hmm. He's got hard nipples right now. That's fucked up. Um, <laughs> but all, even then, all we could do is like, hot tubs don't go to 130 degrees. Even as kids, <laughs> we knew this. Even as kids, it took us out of it. There goes Bud. Not a lot of fight in him. Because he, like, my, but then again, Myers has like supernatural strength. So I'm going to. He's crushed like, his larynx. And he's like, just. Done. Nothing. He's like, yeah. oh, Bud Sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> He's done. Good riddance, Bud. Good riddance to bad rubbish. I like, though, how she's just totally... No idea. No idea what just happened. All she really cares about is, I'm done. You know what? The, the spell has been broken. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not interested. What I need to do is go back to work. Yeah. And now this is this version, this darker, scarier, gorier version, this darker, scarier, gorier continuation of Halloween. Um, this is his sheet over the head bit, basically, impersonating a boyfriend. Although way, way more tender. He's putting up with human contact and playing a role. Not so much like he did with the sheet where he was playing the role, but not putting up with human contact, but playing a role. And sort of almost like in that funny younger brother way. Mm-hmm. In this one, he's just letting her get away. Like, oh, fuck, that would taste so disgusting. I think about that all the time. Like, yeah. how dirty his hands are. I didn't think about that the first time I saw it as a kid. I was just like, how filthy an adult, you know, is that? She's like sucking his fingers and stuff. That's pretty <laughs> fucking sexy. It is pretty sexy. The most action he's probably ever gotten. Probably. Probably. Mm. And who's to say? Maybe this is part of the, it pissed him off so bad that she performed almost a sex act on him. Yeah. And that's why she gets such rough treatment. Yeah. She gets put face first into boiling water and uh, all of that loose, bubbly skin. So gross, eh? It's so gross and super graphic for this franchise, the most graphic thing to date. And for its time. Oh, super yeah. gross, super graphic, and super rough and cool. Or cruel, rather. Yeah, it's cool, too. But it's super cool. Super cruel. But still, even then, takes me out of it every time with, hot tubs don't go to 130 degrees. <laughs> this is always confusing to me. That Like, did he draw that picture? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think he just found it. He probably went through all the little kids' pictures till he found one. That Who's got like a family that? of four that I could... Because I, I was like, did he pull out, like... Lori's old records and she drew that as a little girl 
That seems unlikely. I don't know how much time did he spend at the school when he was younger. He was only eight, so... Mm, yeah. I like how they pronounce it Samhain here, but it's later sort of, on... Like Samhain? Sawin. Sawin? And even in the part three, they pronounce it Sawin. Mm-hmm. Not Samhain. Here's a, reintrodu- a reintroduction of another character that was in the previous films. She was the nurse that was in the car with him initially. With her hair up. Barely recognizable. Barely recognizable. The one with the matches. Lu- Lu- yeah, Loomis, Loomis is him. He's like, oh, I didn't recognize you without <laughs> your nurse hat on. <laughs> this is like a scene which, again, I find like really fucking bizarre in which like he's being ordered back to the hospital. Like he's like in the military or something like that or like a secret agent. Again. He is a a psychologist at a mental hospital. Like, he's not a secret agent. No, he's not. (laughs) Anything like that. And the governor has ordered him back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It never really dawned on me because I just, like, swallow it or whatever, you know? I I love this franchise so much. I'm just like, Loomis can do whatever he wants. Look, and I don't want people to think that I think it's dumb. I love it. Trust me. No, but you're pointing out some very important, very realistic facts. (laughs) He's not a double agent. He does not have a license to kill. (laughs) No one orders him back. Like, he's a doctor. He's a doctor that shows up in a small town, orders, like, orders the police around like he's in charge of them. And everyone just listens to him. He tries to kill somebody. He has a loaded gun, which he has demonstrated on several occasions that he is prepared to use. On citizens! Yeah. It's like... Uh, anyways. I love that how they have him sneaking down the hall and then Jimmy sneaking in the room. Oh, absolutely. It's a really great misdirect. And the the, the scenes, the, the, the camera shots throughout the hospital are fucking awesome. Like, super effective. Because... On the one hand, you see Michael Myers, but we don't know where in the hospital that even is. Yeah. He could be anywhere. You just know that he's wandering the halls. It looks like a fairly large facility. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It could oh, be anywhere. Yeah. Multiple floors. Aw, Lori. Yeah, this is this weird scene where she's, like, comatose. Psychic linked. I swear to God. Psychically linked. Well, they seem to indicate that it is a result uh, a bad um a bad reaction to some medication that she's on but i think you might be right because she just gets out of it mm-hmm. like you know she's just fine where you just be like oh there's no way that she would be fine she looks dead in that yeah. scene it's astral projection psychic link it started with that recollection she was having mm-hmm All the water in this place goes to 130 degrees. Oh, it's super steamy and wonderful. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It makes me wonder, like, because uh, Dr. Mixter is not showering. Like, you don't find him. <laughs> like, so well, why he's is... a doctor. He could have showered after some particularly bloody ER well, He's fully dressed, though. Why is the shower still on? I don't know. He tur- might have turned it on to start, and that's when he was oh, caught off guard by our I pal, see. Michael Myers. Dr. Mixter is such a good name for a fucking drunk doctor. Or, or, or a DJ. Or, yeah, <laughs> I'd Maybe like, he's a DJ, too. I, I, I love that. 
gonna spin this one for the this is a classic time. trope spinning the chair around to reveal that a body has been oh you know he's in a bathrobe so that works and this actually another pretty graphic shot and yeah. this is fucking beautiful the slow fucking reveal uh -huh. mask first and then Myers gets his hands on her that is just so fucking amazingly well shot it is. It's not quite that realistic. I do love that, too. Oh, uh, needle full of air. Into the brain. Yeah. And you're done. What a way to go. No, I know. It's not entirely re no, realistic. No, because the light traveled with her. And it's like, okay, so she's under a moving light. Because he didn't move into the light. The light moved over him. But either way, beautiful coming out of the shadows shot. It's like... Uh, like honestly, and uh, I have like a, a the Blu-ray transfer of this from the big box set. It looks like this whole the whole Blu-ray transfer on this looks fucking amazing, but like scenes like that just fucking pop because you know it's not realistic, but it's incredibly cinematic. Oh, beautifully! And and like it, I, it's one of those moments where I wish that I could have seen the. I mean, this movie came out before I was born, so like I wish I could have seen this in the theater with a fresh audience for the first time like and when that scene happened because i guarantee you the audience would have eaten that up that gasp of oh shit he's right there i was six when this came out oh were you yeah you're too young to go see it in the theater for sure when i was six i would have gone to see the second Star Wars, I think. I oh, cool. Was, well, maybe even younger. That was 79, I think. I'd have 80, to... I think. Was it? 80, 80 was Empire Strikes Back. That was... Uh, I'd seen the first one in theater, but I was way too young. But I saw Empire Strikes Back in theater. I do remember. I mostly remember being tired. And I remember the lineup being so long. And feeling like we spent more time in the lineup than we did in the theater. This scene always kind of... Um, the actor playing this... Uh, was this, uh, was it, um, Gunnar? No. Gunnar Hansen, you were going to say? <laughs> no, you were going to say Gunnar Was it Nick Castle? Was it no, Nick it was Castle? Nick Castle. It was Dick Warlock. Best name ever. Move over, Peter Steele. Dick Warlock. Dick Warlock. That's not a name that exists. It is a, it is a profession in a magical order, sir. He is a Dick Warlock. Do you have a problem <laughs> with that? He's also the stunt coordinator. Dick Warlock. <laughs> that is the best fucking name. And I swear to God, it's his real name. And why call yourself Richard when your last name is Warlock? Richard Warlock? Dick no, Warlock. Dick Warlock. He is a Dick Warlock. I'm a Dick Warlock. I've heard that too. <laughs> Bud is a Dick Warlock. See what happened to him? He wasn't very good. He was like a low-ranking... Well, if you're a dick warlock, that means like you're super good at. Are you super good at controlling your own dick or like other people's dick? Other people's dicks, like a cockromancer. Cockromancer. Yeah. <laughs> I am a cockromancer. My name is Dick Warlock. I love that <laughs> fucking name so much. It's a good name. I don't know if he's so much of a cockromancer, but. I don't know what Lori is. She's not a dick warlock at all, obviously. She's like anti dick warlock. That's true. They're natural enemy. Um, yeah, she seems like super dazed and out of it. So this is why I don't think that it, it, it wouldn't be a reaction to the drugs. It might just be some weird psychic connection. Although they don't really, 
since they're not really flat out saying it, I'm, I'm always one of those people that are like, lines of dialogue to indicate something really helped me. That you want it spelled out for you? I, I kind of want it spelled out. And, I, and I'm not trying to say that I don't appreciate film theory or interpretation. or. Leaving. Have you ever had a psychic experience, though, of your own? No. Have you ever been accused of being psychic? I uh, know. Do you often guess things or have premonitions that do pan out true? Sometimes I've guessed things that have been true. Okay. Sometimes but not I've... to the point that you would say, or like I asked, like if anyone has accused you of being psychic before. No. Okay. See, I have, in, you know, guilty of all those counts numerous, numerous times on a nearly daily basis. So I guess my mind does jump to, well, they have a psychic link, of course, because that happens all the time in my reality. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, most people don't either aren't open to that as a real thing or haven't experienced it themselves. So that's probably why I jump to it and I'm fine without being even validated <laughs> because I don't think that's necessarily validated ever. Mm-hmm. I think that you're supposed to rely on the fact that they're brother and sister. So they have whatever togetherness that some brothers and sisters have mm-hmm. or the stories other people may have heard of people having a slight psychic link. Oh, they shouldn't have given her any drugs, eh? <sighs> Poor Lori. Yeah, she's out of it. Under the spell of the cockromancer. <laughs> Dick Warlock. He's coming to get you. Now we have like our brand new trio of... of heroes? Su- heroes? Question mark? Heroes? Question mark. Well, I mean, Loomis is getting carted back with a, a marshal. So, I mean, it's like, you're, you're done, Loomis. You're done. You're out of here. Still not in trouble for waving a gun around and ordering everyone around. And causing someone to die. Yeah. No, not at all. But, Mr. Bossy Pants, goodbye for now. And he seems genuinely upset or worried that Loomis is not there anymore because he's like, now I have to deal with this on my own. I love her little bit of flair on her uniform the little pumpkin flair i love it it's so great everywhere everywhere i love that i don't know if you go to the hospital right now there's probably one pumpkin somewhere but it's not decked out like this my mom uh did uh, caregiving for uh, a retirement center for a while and um she used to have like themed scrubs oh like she'd go to the scrub store and get like just very fun yeah. scrubs for like the patients they would i feel like it like the patients really do she always indicated that the patients really did enjoy like the little bits of flair and the little pizzazz that she would put on her clothes well i'm sure they would get sort of bored i don't remember if the actual patient's rooms are decked out like the reception areas are but i suppose like a patient's room would always be like more to their personal taste Oh no. Who's like this in horror movies this happens constantly where somebody comes up uh, a, a a harmless person comes up behind a character very slowly and puts a hand on their shoulder and scares them and they're like oh, who does that? Who have you ever in your fucking life gone to somebody and just been like slow hand to their shoulder grab their shoulder when I want to scare the fuck out of them? <laughs> yes. Yes. But no, not in real reality, real life. I've been snuck up on. I get, I can get pretty jumpy because a lot of times if I'm like working on a story in my head too, I get pretty lost inside my internal dialogue and I'm easy to scare in that instant. Uh, it used to happen to me. My friend Sarah used to creep up behind me all the time when I worked at the hotel 
I'd try to do the same thing to her, and only rarely did I succeed in scaring the absolute living fuck out of her. Um, but she did it to me all the time, because I was constantly lost in my head, because it's far more entertaining in there, I guess. Um, and it's easy to sneak up on me. But when she, a person is like totally like, oh my god, there's somebody there, I know, I, I'm scared, it'd be pretty easy to scare them inadvertently. And they're wearing those like medical shoes that probably mostly soundless, right? Oh, yeah. Non-slip soles. This is before they developed super squeaky ones. I love this. This entire scene, it is filmed so beautifully. And we don't see her death. This is the first time that we've seen the character, right? Yeah. Well, in, in no, a while. it's yeah, and it's this is what I was talking about how the body discovery is quite different in this film. It's not just, you know, open a door, dead nurse and musical hit. Ah, it's horrible and scary. This is like almost like a seductive sexy way to find a body and a pretty interesting sexy death and now we're at like more blood so much blood than we've seen in a lot of horror movies i love this it's quite beautiful and so red like that that wonderful 70s red super red blood yeah the reddest blood the reddest blood but (laughs) such a beautiful scene i do love when people slip and fall in blood macabre was probably my most favorite almost slapstick yeah that was like all the people like almost running in place or or like in uh brain dead yeah (laughs) that was ridiculous but i love i love i love when people slip and fall in blood i don't know why i don't know why but i do think it's the best thing ever and that was a really good one and just like you said, like very beautiful, very haunting. That's such a, a like a quiet scene. This um, really makes me think that Michael Myers really covers his bases. He has punctured all the tires. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he had a whole 10 minutes in the parking lot there. Yeah, he's just like, I'm just going to punch every one of these tires. That, or if you want to really stretch, you know, it's Halloween. Maybe some bratty kids came through and did that and helped them along a little bit. And when he got to the parking lot, he was like, ha ha, good to go. Yeah. Every single tire in this parking lot's fucked. Well, that's convenient. <laughs> nah, yeah. He had that. He had a butcher knife by that point, so he probably put it to good use. Although, it's not easy to puncture a tire. I wouldn't know. They're built pretty tough. I don't know if a kitchen knife... Like, a kitchen knife could probably get a couple tires in but you'd probably end up bending the knife michael myers is a character that has exhibited on several occasions superhuman strength i think that he could just look at the tires and they'd pop themselves because they'd be so scared ah true story (laughs) probably it's hard to do dazed and weak well for any actor without the scene really seeming annoying, if that if that's the right word, just slow. Probably um, helps if you've been dazed and weak before, if she'd gone through some medical trauma, had yeah. something to draw upon. And she's still kind of in, in a daze right here. I mean, this could very well almost be like a dream sequence. One of my favorite kills, too. Well, if we're talking about the strength, he is lifting this woman up with one hand with a scalpel. Well, you can stick something into someone's spine and have a, good, a pretty good hold on them, right? That's what I'm oh, for sure. basing that on. Both the shoes come off. 
and crumple to the floor. Somewhat similar to pinning the guy to the cabinet in the first one, to just like pinning people up kind of thing. There's a death in uh, one of the Phantasm movies that's sort of similar, a priest being choked by his crucifix by the tall man. That is another one of my favorites. Lifting people up, I, I tend to like as much as slipping and falling in a pool of blood. It's a it's a pretty good power move. Mm-hmm. It it really indicates just like strength, and because of the fact that Michael Myers looks so nonchalant about it, like like you know, and he's looking at Laurie, taunting her, like, mm-hmm. "Look, I I'm manhandling this woman effortlessly." I think it's somewhat taunting. I don't know if he's capable of that necessarily. I think it's just something's in my way. And he held it about as long as he held the dog that he killed in the first one. Mm-hmm. Same sort of thing. He also um, is becoming a more efficient killer. We're dealing with uh, a Myers now that has killed much more people than he did in the first movie. And you would have another body discovery. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is that we have someone we haven't seen for a very long time too. Yeah, it's weird that um, Myers would uh, take the time to hang him up by that light. It was a little more of a typical slasher body discovery too. Yeah, it doesn't all have to be great. <laughs> Just hanging around. <laughs> Didn't even look very dead. No, not really. And it certainly doesn't look like he's actually hanging from his neck. But, you know, it does the job. You get the idea of what's going on. Now this scene, this is all so tense. Mm -hmm. And the sound right now, on the soundtrack right now, and just the general feeling that she almost got it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And you know that she doesn't have a lot of fight left in her. It's important to note that it's relevant that she is dazed and weak and confused because of the fact that... I love this. This is like the, one of the creepiest. Oh, yeah. Like on the glass and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just like the slow walking with all the little crunches. It's great. It's actually spine tingling. <laughs> No, but what I was saying was that um, we're dealing with a Laurie Strode that has already defeated Michael Myers once before. So if you are dealing with... Look, Michael Myers is always going to be dangerous, but how do you keep the fear going knowing that he's stalking a character that he's defeated before? Or that that has been... that, That he's stalking a character that has defeated him before. Yes. Well, you put her at a more of a physical disadvantage than she already is. You make her weak... You put her in a hospital gown. Drug her up a little you bit. You drug her up. And now she... It's almost like a video game where you defeated the boss and you have to fight him again, but now you have a handicap. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's the idea here. And I think that's how they maintain the tension. Because if you're just like, well, this is the same Laurie Strode that, like, fucking stabbed him in the neck and, and made a... A, a hanger into a, an improvised weapon and stabbed him in the eye. She beat... Yeah, the fearless Lori Strode. Yeah, she, we, we've seen her do things, and now all she's doing is hiding instead of fighting. Well, she's too weak to fight right now. Yeah. Um, anyone would do the exact same thing. And we go along with her because because maybe if I thought this was a fully healthy, realized Lori Strode, I'd be like, she'll fucking... 
Like in H2O when she's like a ta- when she comes to Myers yeah. and she's like, "Oh, I know you and I'm not really afraid of you." Like afraid but not like she doesn't she doesn't feel like a victim in that movie. In this movie, she's getting she's since she's so fucked up that you still get the sense like, "Oh shit." I feel, almost feel like she's even in more danger now than she was in the first movie because of the fact that and she's all wobbly legs. She got the rubber legs yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Hanging on to things as she goes. Sort of looking a little spaced out still. I do have awesome horror dreams sometimes where I'm running from a, a killer and I'm hiding in cars or whatever under cars. I wonder if people ever had dreams like that before films like this. Oh, I like this. I like this. How she could have come along two hours ago too. With a, with a bunch of extra information. Yeah, yeah. This is Loomis again, indicating the seriousness of what Michael Myers had written on the walls, and again, just providing a lot of uh, information. It's like. Yeah, like like he's he's just like providing a lot of information to like a lot of lore to f- give us fodder for episode five or not episode five episode six. Uh, yeah, is that yeah? Yeah, <laughs> it is a random thing for Myers to have written on the wall a file that nobody knew about. It is, but I mean, why didn't he write Lori's my sister? That would help too. Why didn't he write that <laughs> on the blackboard? Well, this is the first that. Where Mister Know It All didn't know it all. Well, I like this because because it's it's like the first time where he's caught completely flat-footed. See, she could have come along two hours ago and made the first movie make sense. I like them being together and it taking this long, but it would have helped. It would have helped. It would have helped with for our attention because we know this going in, mm-hmm. right? It's been so long since the first time I saw these when I didn't know these things that I've forgotten entirely what the discovery of the story was like. But now it's been so long that I've known these things. Oh, yeah. Pulling like, guns on people. On a, on a state trooper. Ooh, shooting the window out, what a jerk! But it's effective. I don't like. I know that this uh, this new police officer doesn't know who he's dealing with. <laughs> I would. I would like if if Loomis showed me a gun, there would be no doubt in my mind that that dude was prepared to use it on anybody. Yeah, he's just being promoted from Mister Bossy Pants to Captain Bossy Pants. Captain Bossy Pants. It's a field promotion. Mm-hmm. You don't want to fuck with him. Although. Uh, uh, the nurse has come back, provided some really good information about the fact that it is indeed a sister. And now Loomis is, has pieced it all together. He killed one sister, and now he's gone back to kill the other. Jimmy just sort of getting into the car, very dazed. It was hard, like, like um, you know, back from falling on blood he doesn't seem to be very messy he did fall into an entire pool of blood but probably smacked his head pretty bad yeah he's concussed and he doesn't really you know recover too well from that yeah he's 
this is kind of when when I do watch this. Not so much now, but when I used to watch this, I would get sort of panicked with this horn honking thing. It would just be like, well, you're fucked now. You're fucked. You might as well have ran out there and gone like, Michael, Michael, come here. Yeah. Totally tense. What does this car have? Tires? Unlike all the other cars? You could force a car to drive for a bit. Oh, yeah. With its pop tires. but sure. I mean... Uh, be prepared for y- you to fuck your car up royally, but well, it's not I, her car, so who matters? Yeah, so and also cares, if you right? if you notice those car the tires are not popped on that, but she's mm-hmm. just too um, she's too fucking weak to to drive. Honestly, I like this. I love this scene every time. Every time. Just, she gains her voice just just too late. Very effective. Not unbelievable either. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, and it must be crazy for her to see. I don't know if she realizes that it's Loomis, but it would be pretty crazy that in this moment that the the one of the, the first and only other person she's seen aside from Jimmy is the person that saved her in the first place. Yeah. She probably recognizes them, more than likely. But either way, at that point, whether she does or not, it's humans. Anybody right now would be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. But she goes from this, and she does um, regain her footing and sensibilities and a little strength fairly rapidly. Not quite unbelievably, but... No, well, she's got a good, like, see, she's got a really good look of determination here that I dig, and I find that believable, that she is not better, but she's pushing through the pain, so to speak. Okay. And again, that's that's acting. A lesser actor would not be able to convey that with a look I feel. Okay. But you have Jamie Lee Curtis here just fucking rocking She acted it. her pants right off. Yeah. She really did. Yeah. She's doing amazingly in this scene. Ever since the when she falls out of, from when she falls out of the window onward, she's just unreal, perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And then poof, we're good. Oh, Michael, I love you so much. They called him the man without without fear, like <laughs> and the man that gives no fucks about fuck doors, fuck, fuck doors. <laughs> Fuck doors right up their asses. He's not even a... He's not only a dick warlock, he's a door warlock. <laughs> right fucking through them. I love that. He he, he, he wins at sit-ups, and he wins at doors. There's nothing more disheartening to, to see than, like, fucking Michael Myers walking straight through a glass door... And not stopping. Like, in that situation, I would almost feel like this gun is not going to help. No, they need to chop his head off, stick some garlic in the mouth, and stake him to the heart. Or what? A circle of salt? Bury him fucking face down. Like, (laughs) yeah. Tie his shoelaces together. I don't fucking know. Everything. Everything you can throw at him. Oh, we don't get too close to a dead body like that. Da-da! I'm Whoa. never going to hover over a dead body, ever. Are you kidding me? Especially if it was one that was chasing me relentlessly to kill me. This is weird because when Myers is getting shot, 
he he gets all rubbery and he drops and then he's ostensibly dead. And then when he gets up again from whatever previous injury, and this is true across the board, once this dude gets up from whatever previous injury he had, that injury may as well not exist. Oh, true. I'm always like wondering, like, does he have any regenerate? Again, like, I understand he's just a guy, but like, I'm always trying to think about what the fuck keeps this hit the engine going, and not not the fucking the mystical hatred. shit. Oh, yeah, not that. Not that. I'm not, stuff. No, I, I don't okay. count that. I'm sorry to anyone that really. No, likes because that it, movie, the but... way if you want to be that asshole, it'd be like, well, he doesn't have a tattoo on his hand, so it's not that doesn't count right now. Yeah. Um. And I like to think of them as it's like a separate, it's like fan fiction, sort of in a way. Yeah, like maybe he was, maybe this is why. Yeah, I think I I tend to explain that away to myself with, you, as fan fiction. Do you do you like the the idea that the the trooper was just like I'm the only one authorized to use this radio, like that's what you think you're the only one authorized here to do? Not shoot people with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I love this scene and i'm not mm-hmm. sure why and this is second for the second thing really why this is my favorite film and i don't know why the scene where they're trapped in the hospital room yes oh fuck doors he didn't even open it he didn't use his hands he just walks right through good the, thing it's the, a swinging one you have to walk through it it's like michael myers the door gets out of his way yeah like <laughs> chuck norris it's like a chuck norris joke he's a door warlock He's a door warlock. But, um, yeah, it's like this, I feel sorry for him on a certain level because he's just so determined and then when put into a corner, quite literally, all he can think of to do with a single-mindedness of kill Lori, kill Lori, kill Lori. That's fuck doors, fuck doors and kill Lori. And I'm all out of doors. He deflates like a parade balloon. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Loomis here uh, trying to fire his gun. Click, click, nothing. Myers almost seemed to not even notice him until he heard that click and then stabbed him with the scalpel. Okay, so now fucking doors is done. Kill Laurie is next. And then what? So it's not necessarily the memories that they are brother and sister here that get to me aside from that sexy head tilt because that's so adorable i just want to hug him it's it's good yeah it really truly is um it's once he is blinded quite heinously this is beautiful it really the, really is. the tears of blood coming out of the eyes i mean I wouldn't count them as tears, but sure. Tears of blood. That's that's it's what so it is. It's so poetic to me. sounding, but it is. See this when he's swinging and swinging. It's, he's got to be in tremendous pain. Whether whatever supernatural abilities he has or regenerative, regenerative, bleh. regenerative, yeah, regenerative abilities that we were just thinking about. All he cares about is killing her. All he cares about. He's swinging blindly and doesn't even care about his own welfare. It's another one of those, anyone gets in my way, they're going to get it. But it's all he can think about. And I just think of how how messed up of a mind is it that that's all you can think of. I feel very sorry for him, and I don't exactly know why. I think that when you're looking at a character like this that has 
almost an enviable sense of profound purpose, and that is to kill his sister. Whether or not you could find something good about a character that would want to murder another character as his supreme reason for being. Because enviable drive. Yeah. yeah. Um, implacable will. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see him in a pathetic state, because throughout the first two movies, he has seemed so unstoppable, so dangerous, so beyond any any pain of injury. Like, like a bug in a killing jar right now to me, though. Right. You know, like he really is just, he just wants to kill something. Something. He, and he wants to kill Laurie and he'll do whatever it takes. And then in a very Captain Ahab, Moby Dick sort of way, if Moby Dick died, um, <laughs> uh, Loomis is willing to sacrifice himself to blow up Myers. Do you ever see the footage when they blew up that rotten whale on the coast? Yeah. That's what you just reminded me of if Moby <laughs> Dick died. And I'm picturing this juxtaposed with that and these like big fucking chunks of whale fat raining down like napalm. And, and this is almost like the you've got to be fucking kidding me. Not in a sense of like me as the audience, but the look on her face. Yeah. Is just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And sure enough, you're like, no one can survive that. And sure enough. No one, not even Michael Myers. And his supernatural mask, which somehow survives this. Mm -hmm. Just burns. And like, look, that is deader than he's ever been in these movies. Like, super fucking dead. Well, the electrocution's pretty dead, too, but. Yeah. Well, I guess, wait, he was decapitated in H2O. Yeah. Allegedly. Well, no, yeah. (laughs) More mistaken identity. More Mm -hmm. people wearing masks, whether it's against their own will or just a mask that's similar or not. And I guess it's going to be all right. Now, again... I love the idea of like the media just like swarming her, wanting questions. Pretty normal. The media, That's the, what we're trained to do. The media has definitely been present throughout this entire thing, talking about the murders of Haddonfield, and of course now they've discovered even more grisly murders, and you know they're going to call her into the chair. Now, the ending of this film is so perfect because if you were to ask Carpenter, and pe- many people have. Mm-hmm. You know, this was the end. Myers was dead. Loomis was dead. Lori is being whisked off into the ambulance credits. That this was always the intention. So that there could be the third one, which was a different idea on Halloween, which if you listen through to the end of our last episode, Mm -hmm. we used a soundbite on Halloween. We did. Yeah. From Cochrane. And from the third one. So who knows what the fourth one would have been. And then the wonderfully timed Mr. Sandman kicking back in. Beautiful just... song. Perfect song. Right up there with Mac the Knife for me. <laughs> two songs that I sing quite often that were saying My grandmother used to sing Mr. Sandman all of the time when I was little. And my father used to sing uh, Mac the Knife. So just two. See the shape. Dick Warlock. Dick Warlock, you were not lying. Yep, Dick Warlock. <laughs> yeah. The cockromancer. The cockromancer. <laughs> and Bill Warlock. Oh, not she... as cool of a name. 
<laughs> Warlock is pretty bitchin' though. That is a fucking awesome last name. Right? Almost as cool as like next week we're gonna talk about Nosferatu. And did you know what Max Schreck's name means in German? I don't. Schreck is German for horror. Really? Mm-hmm. So his name was Max Horror? Basically. Max Horror. That's fucking Only, awesome. Max Dick? <laughs> Dick Horror? Those are all cool names. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> horror Warlock? That's really cool. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So, Shrek is horror and... Let me ask you this because I've never really, I've never really picked your brain on this. What is your as we're closing off on Halloween two, and this was Carpenter's idea for the entire story of Michael Myers, and we know that the return of Michael Myers came back in Halloween Part Four, and everything had restarted again this time because of everyone's disappointment. Disappointment. Now, let me. Are do you? I know you like some of the sequels. Are you happy that the franchise continued beyond two? Or would you be content with these two movies existing by themselves and they had never come to back to Michael Myers in this franchise? Let's pretend that they were able to do whatever they wanted to do. And episode four was just a different Halloween film. If Season of the Witch was successful. Yes. Okay. Well, no, 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 no. Even leave season of the witch as it is. What they would have needed to do at that point is really win our hearts over with, you know, and convince us and drive us home and and put their foot down and be like, no, this is what we're doing. The first and second one is sort of like a, a part one of its own. The second installment to our Halloween series is season of the witch. Our mm-hmm. next installment to the Halloween series is this completely different film mm-hmm. about Halloween. So if they would have been able to do that, if they would have won us over, yeah, I would have been totally happy with one and two. Mm-hmm. Really, really happy. Mm-hmm. I don't mind where four and five went. No. Okay. Like, at all. I really don't. I like them. Uh, I like one and two better, but I like one, four and five very, very much. I like the continuation of the story. It's it's totally believable and it's scary and it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if I had to trade those for other Halloween movies about Halloween by these makers, by the Akkad family, basically, yeah, um, they would have just had to be really good. You mm-hmm. want to look forward into something like Michael Doherty's Trick or Treat, which let's pretend that were part of this series. It would fit. It that would, would definitely win fit. me over. Yeah, and it's not that I would have the memory of Michael Myers wiped out by subsequent films that weren't about him. It just would have been a really cool collection. It mm-hmm. would have have to have been. If they would have just went, you know, nosedived into shit, I would have at least had one and two. Mm-hmm. But that's not reality. And we have four and five and then puke and dog shit and garbage and barf. <laughs> Look, any any horror franchise, if it sticks around long enough, does have a tendency to go down the toilet. Yeah, H2O is a pretty good recovery. It's not great. It's not great, but I think it was a satisfying button. I yeah. would have been fine with that being the button. Because I felt like, okay, it started with Lori. Mm-hmm. Let's end it with Lori. Yeah. And then that's it. H20 is so perfect. Um. So, but, uh, but I mean, you know. As a bookend. But as it... As is just the way Hollywood works, they will always chase the money. So if there's a buck to be made on Michael Myers' name, they will continue the franchise. And they tried something different, 
And the audiences spit it back in their face. They didn't want it. Mm-hmm. And so people can complain about the fact that like, oh, it's more Michael Mars. It's the same fucking thing. Yeah. But if you give them something that's not that, they bitch. Now, I do really like, as much as I hate the rest of the entire film, Resurrection, I really like the final death of Laurie Strode. I do. Mm-hmm. So that's 10 minutes of that movie that's even worth existing in my mind. Mm-hmm. It really tells you that it really shows you the emphasis has always been Michael Myers for these series because I mean Laurie Strode isn't in, in all of them but because of the way that I like narrative structures to go I think that it should have ended with Laurie killing him because be, I don't know like, like that's just what I because you want the hero to win you want the but, but like, don't final s- girl to win but and make it I, I feel like it's been enough movies you know what I'm saying? Every time Michael Myers doesn't die, he wins. In my opinion. Every time the villain gets away, it's not a loss. And he's killed a hell of a lot of people and completely ruled this woman's life and terrorized everyone she's ever been close to mm-hmm. is dead because of him. Is it not enough? Is that not enough? Does he have to actually kill her? Oh, I guess so. I just think it's like like the death like look, is it it's certainly a way to go. It's it, like I mean, someone has to die, so that fucking can stop that story can just dive like you know what I'm i don't saying? want it to and i kind of like i like very much the only thing that's interesting about sex is kind of while you're watching this and watching four and five you're thinking well what happens when he does wipe out everybody does he just like crumble into dust well does he get transported to heaven in a beam of light does he get swallowed by hell what happens when his lineage is wiped out to me i think that if you're michael myers you're sitting. You've you've killed your sister for whatever your motivations, your truest motivation. Hate, you could evil, e- evil. I I mean I buy that in in a sense because I mean Carpenter was trying to tell a story about a nondescript representation of evil, which is why he's referred to as the shape, which is why it's ma- featureless mask of mm-hmm. is not meant to really look like it's everyone and nobody. Um, he never speaks. And you never really know exactly what he wants. That's the that's the idea of evil untethered and without true form. Or perfect husband. Or the uh, maybe. Um, and but if I were to try to provide motivation for him, he would say like, "Well, I killed my sister, and then I was sent here, and I've been waiting this entire time. And as every day and year." Counting by Halloweens, yeah. Yeah, but lapsed. He would feel like he would obviously want out of the mental institution. But then when you're saying to yourself, well, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? I guess it, it's like he would focus on the idea that he has one living relative left. And he's like, well, I guess since I started everything killing one member of my family, Maybe by the time I kill this person, I'll figure something out. It's just, it's it's like, it's like low hanging fruit. It's like, mm, you don't really know what mm-hmm. to do with your life. So you just look at the next thing. I guess it's also like, if you want to blame this psychic link, all that time that he was biding his time, it was probably just an inopportune time because she was a teenager and had more people around her that he couldn't necessarily attack. And if he's looking at Halloween by Halloween, which is basically what he's doing, mm-hmm. um, that would have been the first one where she would have been alone enough that it would have been easy for him to attack. So maybe he does just sit back and wait for the next window of opportunity on Halloween 
to attack the next person that he's feeling any sort of connection to, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they continue the idea of wanting to kill his family because when they in 4, mm-hmm. they introduce Daniel Harris's character. Yeah. And then that becomes his focus. For... As the cutest clown ever. A- adorable and careful. She's yeah. got a big dog that bites. She's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, and another Scream Queen would be born. But uh, yeah, I think I've come from the same mentality as you. I think that the series, I'm glad that the movies exist. Um, I'm glad that the character is well known and popular. I'm glad that by and large, Halloween 1 and 2 is regarded as such a classic. But there's that little part of me that also kind of want, and I want both. I'm just, I want everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I want them. I want them to have can continued with this the way they did. Um, maybe some of the weaker shit omit uh, omit some of that. Yeah. And then also do their Halloween anthology series. I just want it all. I know. I know. I would have loved to see what they would have done. Because that was really interesting. And I mean, and and I know, like as you've you've watched season of the witch more recently. And that's always been a personal favorite of mine. Not of the whole franchise. I like it as its own thing. I loved 1 and 2 so much that I hated 3 badly, like everybody else that loved right. 1 and 2 right. so much. Well, Just because there was no Michael Myers in it. But it took a bit for me to warm up to it. Yeah. But yeah, I seeing think, that, I would have loved to see what they would have done. I think the, 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 the mind is shifting oh, a lot. I think a lot of people now, I mean, with you... And uh, I follow a dude on Instagram who had just been talking about Season of the Witch because he just watched it. And, uh, and and a lot of other websites and stuff like that. People are kind of like, you know, like maybe we were all a little too harsh. This is a good movie. We were all just, like you said, we're bummed out Michael Myers isn't in it and has nothing to do with anything that has come previously. Yeah, it took th- us 15 years to get over the shock. Yeah, and then yeah. but then when we look back, we're like... Sorry, guys, we like it. Which, which, I don't know, like, I know that there's still, I, I know, like, a lot of people who made the film are still around and stuff like that, which is great. And I'm glad that they finally, at their horror conventions and all this other stuff, they're finally, like, getting recognition from their fans and people and, like, seeing it shift. Yeah. Which I think is, like, which is something that probably, like, makes John Carpenter happy about a lot of his movies. He talks about it a little bit sometimes at conventions and stuff like that when people talk about the fog or people talk about the thing or people talk about they live um escape from new york and uh big trouble in little china all his like cult movies that he's done and the fact that like you know he's given it like give the audience time and then everyone rallies behind these movies and then they become oh like the sacred yeah yeah crown jewels of of their respective genres and stuff like that it's weird that even though i didn't like it I, I didn't. I wasn't that I would. I would love to hate it either. I just didn't like it the way I liked one and two of Halloween. I still sang the Silver Shamrock song every single year since I have ever learned it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every year, every year, unmistakable, unmistakable. So it was an infectious, and it is a great story. Oh hell Now they have the new Halloween coming out, and I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, apparently there was some news where uh, Malika Khan had said that they had parted ways with the director that they had in mind. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's all up in the air yet again. They're going to apparently pick up the story. This was the story up until this announcement from Malika Khan. 
that that the current project isn't moving forward the way that they had envisioned it. But what I'd heard before that was that it was going to pick up right after this. So it would be like a new part three. And I don't know which, because this feeds back into the, you want it all, you want it both ways. I do want part three of Halloween to be the continuation of the Michael Myers story. But I also want more just Halloween stories. Right? So it's sometimes it's, it can be frustrating as horror fans. We love the franchises that we love. Like, for example, there's another Friday the 13th coming. They've just announced there's another Nightmare coming. The big horror another franchises. Another Friday the 13th coming when? In uh, well, the, the date the, three fucking years. The date keeps changing, but, you know, yeah. 2017 was the last one. Now, that's going to be the Friday the 13th part 13, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They and have so, to do it. And, and so at the same time, I'm always happy to see another one, but I'm also, like, I look at the... I look at the box set that I have of Halloween movies, 10 movies. Mm-hmm. You look at the 12 movies Friday the 13th has. You look at like the the 10 or so movies of Nightmare on Elm Street, like the big honking, the trinity of the big horror slashers that everybody knows. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? I'm kind of, I'm content with what they already have. I don't really feel like you need to do that. But then you're always kind of like, ooh, it'd be nice to see that killer again. But also there's this part of you, especially as horror fans, where you're like, I wish that time and energy would go towards something new. Partially, although you worry that all that time and energy is going to be spent on a sequel to your favorite franchise, and it's going to be shit. Shit. Utter shit. Where they could spend that time and energy and money, and your time and energy and money, and have something that's really that really works that really fits it's really plausible and awesome which is like i'm holding out for phantasm ravager that's phantasm 5 and it's going to be epic i hope (laughs) fingers crossed asterisk see Mm -hmm. disclaimer like i don't know how that's gonna turn out at least it's don coscarelli helming everything the way he always has so i have we have that as our insurance that ravager will be decent not that everything in phantasm is decent at all it starts out on a hokey cheesy kind of note so i mean it's not the most serious horror franchise by any means no but yeah but it doesn't have to be like 100 percent serious to be good no exactly so but at least we sort of have that insurance with that one where with the upcoming halloween the upcoming friday 13th we have no real insurance if it's going to be absolute shit, if it's absolutely ever going to fucking happen, if these things are even going to have scripts and writers, mm-hmm. directors, because that's all being mixed and matched around. Or like, it's... like how many times have they fucking been restarting the fucking uh, Texas Chainsaw franchise? Exactly. Like that is ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous to me how many times that they've tried rebooting that. Like fucking crazy to me, and then they've got another one coming. Now it's like a prequel. Leatherface yeah. is a little kid. <laughs> you know, on one hand, you're like, yeah, cool. I like having more to my franchises. On the other hand, you're like, just stop, just stop, please stop. I know. And, yeah, put your money into something else. Put put your money into something else, or like, do I need to know, like, an origin for Leatherface? Don't we already know the origin for Leatherface? Yeah. Do we have three different versions of the same story? One of the problems that I had with Rob Zombie's remake, too much in the past. We spent way too much time with Michael Myers. It was interesting. I'm not going to like shit in his mouth for having a take and wanting to expand on it. But what I always liked about the shape 
was that you didn't really know a lot about them. It made it a little scarier. Yeah. I understand nowadays that doesn't fly. People want explanations. I've even said earlier, like, you know, it's kind of nice to spell things out sometimes. But I like the, the young Michael Myers that we get in, in Halloween too. the original. It's good enough for me. Yeah. He's not a script. He doesn't have any speaking part. He is because in this he does not say a word the michael myers we know up until rob zombie he never says a word Mm -hmm. so yeah i really really enjoyed just that little tiny bit that we do get and i I know what you mean i don't dislike the rob zombie one but you would point out there's no likable characters that's like holy fuck even young michael isn't likable he's not and fucking christ by the second one yeah where laurie is just an idiot oh uh, I'm Michael Myers. Is, like I'm related to Michael Myers. Woo! I need to get drunk. I like what? What, the fuck? what yeah. is it? And Loomis is like unlikable. Like it's like fucking skeevy, like book dealing. Yeah, it's like, kind of awesome in a way. It, it awesome is kind in of a way, awesome and it's played by Ma- Malcolm McDowell, who's one of my favorite actors. But like, I just I'm sitting there watching this. I'm like, well, I don't like all these kids are snots. Um, I don't like. Lori, you don't like Michael. You don't like anybody. Yeah, and yeah. so I'm like, who am I? Who who am I supposed to like in this movie? Nobody, I guess. <laughs> Question answered. Turn it off. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, let's let's stop ruining our love, my love, your love of Michael Myers, my deep fucking yeah. Dick Warlockian love <laughs> for Michael Myers. What? Oh, it's just funny. It's a good name. It's a fucking brilliant name. Dick Warlock. <laughs> but anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the commentary tracks. And if you don't, well, too bad. It's a free podcast and you have to listen to it. You have to. You know, it was like dragging me behind fucking horses, really. <laughs> if you want to get You did not want to do this. No. But... I, I, I'm, I, it's not that I'm against it because I'm here, you know, and it's mm-hmm. done now. But I do have to say that it's, it's hellish. It's nice to have notes and have the visual prompt that's helpful and i'm that's sure it. it's listenable because i think we sound all right and we do have some things to say about it so it's not gonna be painful for anybody it was probably more painful for me than it would be listening to this <laughs> probably yeah. but um coming up next on the show we're, we're going to be doing nosferatu and then after that i think it's the innocence and then after that i think it might be burnt offerings or and clown and hardware clown and hardware as well so we got got quite a list yeah yeah we got a lot of really cool stuff coming up this is by no means our last episode yeah we've pre-recorded nosferatu and which we actually viewed last night so you'll be listening to that next week because we're going to have halloween today off Yeah. yeah gonna be able to enjoy our halloweens the way they were meant to be enjoyed sitting alone in our respective homes watching horror movies Worse than that, I've been slated to be speaking at the CanCon. It's a speculative fiction and Canadian content conference here in Ottawa. So I'll be doing a ghost story panel. Oh, okay. So when I said we sitting alone by ourselves watching horror movies like a pathetic loner, I just meant me. (laughs) Don't worry. I'm going to definitely buffer all my time outside with cocooning safely in my house happily non-pathetically watching horror movies by my fucking self because i'll need it (laughs) definitely 
But yeah, I, I'm really glad that we did do this because I think it'll be perfect. And actually, if you want to listen to part three and four, you can go listen to the movie Crypt. So you can listen to actual filmmakers and actual horror affectionado, well, beyond affectionados, experts uh, at the movie Crypt talk about part three and four if you're doing a marathon right now listening to this. Mm-hmm. And if you guys like us to do more commentary tracks in the future, let us know. Uh, until next time. I'm Dick Warlock. <laughs> I'm Les Knight. The Vagician. The Vagician. <laughs> I'm Les Knight. I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air. <laughs>